Good morning. I'm Ayawimala, and today is July 27th. Um, we're going to read a little bit more from Dhamma Everywhere. Maybe we're getting close to wrapping it up, looking at defilements and how to work with them and how to work, how to use everything that arises in our practice, our daily living practice and our meditation practice. And this is such a beautiful book because in a way that's easy for us all to work with and understand, Sayadaw Utejaniya really outlines how to develop that wisdom plus awareness, or awareness plus wisdom, and work with defilements and work with mindfulness. 24-7. So let's read a little bit and then we can practice together. All right. <laughs> I was... Uh, <laughs> This, we, we may have read this uh, on Sunday, but I want to read. This is from In a Nutshell. So these are the little snippets of advice and uh, ideas he's giving us with, of ways to work with what's going on in our mind. Um, dissatisfied with what someone was doing, one yogi asked, Why does he do something this way? More important is to recognize why this yogi would ask such questions in the first place. We're bringing everything back to ourselves. You need to understand anger deeply. In order to do that, you need to build up sati, samadhi, and panya. Awareness, that stability of mind, and wisdom and to watch and learn every time anger arises. You want to know the nature of anger and everything related to this phenomenon, what happens in the body and what happens in the mind when this defilement arises, what kinds of thoughts come up, what is the nature of anger. You, the mind, are an independent observer studying this anger from the side as it is happening, with the view that this is also Dhamma nature, not your anger or that you are angry. What are the different characteristics of anger? How does it work? What happens in the mind? How does an anger-motivated mind think? You study and learn every single time down to the smallest detail. There is no way for the defilement to intensify if you observe it every time it arises. It can't rear its head. Well, that's an incredible ending to this little paragraph. There is no way for the defilement to intensify if you observe it every time it arises. It can't rear its head. The bigger episodes will be quite enough, will be quite rough, of course. 
and you may not be able to recognize subtle forms of anger in the beginning. Only when the mind has also strengthened with sati, samadhi, and panya built up, will you be able to see anger from the beginning as soon as it arises. You can say you understand the nature of anger when you understand the whole process of anger from beginning to end. We need to thoroughly understand how much defilements are torturing and tormenting us. We haven't learned this lesson fully yet. We don't learn our lesson the first time, the second time, the third time. When defilements arise, we just welcome them into our homes as guests, serving them tea and biscuits. Isn't that really true? Just reflect on all the things we think about that fuel anger. We'll only turn for help from wholesome qualities when we can no longer stand these defilements. We like to feed defilements to make them stronger whenever they arise. We don't want heat, but we pour gasoline on fire. We're supposed to throw on water, but we only have this little water gun children use during the water festivals. Without enough wisdom, people try to suppress defilements with samadhi. There are two means by which defilements go. One, you become aware of a defilement and it goes away. Or, two, an understanding arises about the defilement. When you become aware of a defilement as an object, it dissipates from the strength of awareness. Alternatively, there is a realization about the defilement and it disappears, similar to light replacing darkness. There are latent, deeply embedded, underlying ideas that will only surface when you come in contact with different experiences. When faced with that experience, the mind starts talking, motivated by certain background ideas. Only deep understanding will get to the level of these long-held ideas. If these ideas have been really have been held really vigorously before, the present level of understanding and wisdom may comprehend the situation, but it is not sufficient to really let go of the idea itself. When something happens, what is more powerful? Defilements or wisdom? Defilements that have come in unconsciously are quite potent and often invisible. Having gone deep into the mind, how powerful is something with that pull and that has been inside for that long? I asked this question at a retreat in Singapore. So now that you are talking Dhamma, how much greed do you have? The yogis checked their minds and found that there wasn't anything they wanted in that moment. I suggested that something was there, and yet it was so powerful that they couldn't see it. What kind of craving was I talking about? 
It's the craving for everything to go smoothly on retreat and elsewhere. Is it possible to see that kind of loba, that kind of greed? They were very surprised. There would have been conflict had we stopped the discussion at that moment. The type of pull that has been with us for a lifetime is extremely strong, buried in the unconscious and no longer at surface, surface level. Called anusaya, such defilements only appear under varying, varying circumstances and vipassananya alone can't access this deep level. Only a very powerful Maga-nanya is able to handle this. What do I mean when I say you need to be collecting data? It means you are observing what is happening every time it happens. There are various ways that aversion can play out. You have awareness every single time that there is this experience, and you wait patiently and observe. You are collecting data. A defilement like aversion can be very strong sometimes, while feeble at other times. Why is that? You may not know the answer until your data is complete. Do you think something is good or bad? Or do you have a real understanding that something is good or bad? Real understanding rejects what you once perceive as good or bad and just sees it as it is. Understanding also removes wrong concepts about something. There is a lot of delusion when people are healthy. People only begin to pay attention when they get sick. That's powerful, isn't it? Just those two sentences. It is not important for aches and pains, which are objects, to disappear. You want to learn about the body and mind processes that arise and pass away in the presence of these aches and pains. Whoops. Instead of trying to stop drowsiness, you want to learn about the nature of drowsiness. These are two different motivations. You may find that if there's an aversion to this drowsiness, it'll slowly get stronger and you may fall asleep. If, however, you are interested in what is happening, the mind will become alert once again. I know that's really true from experience. There are some possible reasons, among others, for this drowsiness. You may have eaten too much and are sleepy. Two, you are not interested in the meditation work you are doing and there's boredom. Or three, it is a habit to fall asleep as soon as you close your eyes. Be interested in whatever is happening. Yogis tend to tell me something is good or bad, or they'll come and ask me whether what happened to them was good. Please don't take an experience as good or bad. I'll read that again. Please don't take an experience 
as good or bad. It's only good if you understand more about the nature of what was happening, its causes and effects, whether it was wholesome or unwholesome, and the value of the experience. Please reflect on this. Is there any object worthy of greed or anger? Do you truly recognize that craving, aversion, and delusion, and all their relatives, are all unwholesome mental states? Have you really understood that sati, samadhi, panya, metta, karuna, mudita, and upekka are wholesome mental states? If you want to understand, please learn about all these with awareness plus wisdom. It is awareness, wisdom. It's a combination of both, which is becomes mindfulness or vipassana. So I'll translate those Pali words. Have you really understand that sati, mindfulness, samadhi, that stability of mind, panya, wisdom, metta, loving-kindness, karuna, compassion, mudita, sympathetic joy, and upekka, and that's that state of equanimity. Have you really understand that these qualities are wholesome mental states? Learn learn about them with awareness, wisdom. And I'll read one more paragraph. Kusala, and those are the uh, wholesome things, Kusala has the power to break down the Akusala, or not wholesome, not skillful. So Kusala has the power to break down the Akusala qualities in the mind and vice versa. That is why you need to try to do everything that's wholesome, including using wholesome speech and doing things with a wholesome motivation. But the highest, most meaningful action is doing things with wisdom. When awareness, wisdom are present within, and that's awareness plus wisdom, when awareness plus wisdom are present within an action, the mind understands how to do things skillfully so that both sides will benefit. Just seeing one side, for example, let me have this but not others, or let me be successful, is the work of strong defilements. Wisdom is the opposite. Seeing the same thing Moha would normally see in a completely different light. And moha is delusion. If we only pay attention to objects, that is only half the picture, and understanding will be incomplete. Our field of awareness must expand to include objects, the observing mind, feelings, and more. This expanding field of awareness comes about from waiting and watching with patience and intelligence 
not from focusing on objects in hopes of seeing something. That is why this expanded awareness is so important. Now, there are two really short little paragraphs I'd like to read to finish this section. Wisdom steps aside as a detached observer to the entire process that is happening on its own. On the other hand, focusing as a way of observing has more of a feeling of sticking to an object. So, of course, the field of awareness would be very narrow. That is why I remind you to neither force nor focus. So we want to have that wisdom steps aside as a detached observer to the whole process that is happening on its own. We're not forcing, we're not focusing in too closely because then we're likely to stick to the object. You can, let's see, I missed one. We pay more attention to the observing mind <clears throat> than to objects. Is the mind reacting with defilements over this object? We also pay special attention to the meditating mind when the objects are defilements. Are there also defilements in the meditating mind? In this world, there is only mind and objects. You can no longer see the mind when there is too much focusing. Focusing uses concepts like distance and place. What are you going to focus on and where are you going to focus to see the mind? By focusing, you will only see the object side. You can only observe the workings of the mind if you are able to wait and watch. When you open your eyes, do you recognize that there's seeing happening? What is the difference between looking and seeing? Looking requires directing attention to an external object, but just seeing doesn't require that kind of exertion. Seeing is just seeing. Is seeing wholesome or unwholesome? It's neither. However, Unwholesome mental states have many opportunities to aware without awareness plus wisdom present in seeing. Meditation is about cultivating right attitude and right attention and developing sati, samadhi, and panya with whatever is happening. So I hope that's uh, making sense. If you have questions, you know, you can always email me and we can discuss that. But I think these are wonderful points and they're very helpful for me, just uh, seeing the difference between, you know, focusing in too much and being more, uh, you know, more have being able to be more aware of our own minds as we watch with a, without having such a tight focus. That's very good. So we have time to practice together. Let me use my, my book. 
So why don't we sit together and uh, you can let, if the words have been meaningful for you, you can let them just be in your mind, be, be there somewhere in you as we sit. Let those thoughts, let those ideas just be coming together. Uh, And if you've been, if you are in need of tranquility and peace, it's really fine to be working with your breath and allowing your mind to settle, allowing your mind to be able to observe. And objects or anything that arise, remember the objects can change but the objects arise, and then that's what we're watching, that's what we're observing lightly, trying to understand what our mind, how our mind is reacting to the object. If there's a feeling of discomfort in your body, or a feeling of any uh, greed or desire, or feelings of aversion, or dislike or anger, feelings of confusion or lack of understanding, those can also be the object and just observe that from a place of with your awareness and including wisdom. So objects are, ev are everything, all the phenomena in the world that we encounter and they arise in our bodies. We want to understand our reaction to all these objects, what's going on in us to cause certain reactions. And the more calm and settled we can allow our mind to be, to be able to get to that place, the better we can observe. So you can close your eyes if you're not in charge of things going on in the household. Be aware of the body breathing. Be aware of your body. Be aware of what is coming in through your sense doors. So that can also mean being aware of thoughts arising, thoughts passing away. 
sounds, smells, taste, and contact the feeling of the air on your skin, the feeling of your body on the cushion or in a chair. light coming in through your closed eyes, or if your eyes are open, whatever is in your visual field. Be the observer. Be aware of reactions rising up in your body, <clears throat> reactions to what you're observing. Reactions to feelings in your body. Be aware if you can become interested in what you're observing. As the observer, can you be interested in investigating Do you become bored when you're sitting? 
do you become interested? Curious about the feelings, about how you see things arise. Interested in what's going on in your body, in your mind. You don't need to search for an object. Objects will arise for you. You always have the breath to come back to. Let it be your anchor.
Now come back to yourself. I mean, you've been with yourself, but I want you to come back thinking about yourself, thinking about how you're doing, being your own best friend, taking care of yourself, learning about yourself, but also nurturing yourself in ways that in ways that matter, in ways that are really caring for yourself, uh, being with noble friends, letting go of things that are uh, not good for you, that you've, that you've grown out of, being generous, being a good friend to others. Uh, it's very important for, for us to nurture ourselves in good ways, not just, uh, not just going out and uh, maybe getting a, having a spa day, there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to nurture ourselves in ways that are uplifting and helping us, helping us be lighter, helping us be happy and content, helping us feel like we're contributing, that we are looking out, seeing what others may need or how we can help, how we can feel better about our contributions. So our, when we are kind to someone and notice that someone else could use something from us, all of these things are ways to nurture ourselves as well. So We always begin with ourselves, so I want you to think about yourself and how you're taking care of yourself and how you're how you are working working to be kind to yourself, growing and working and taking one step at a time, but sometimes it's easy to forget. So may you be well, may you be content and have moments and days of happiness, have joy in your life, have beauty in your life. So I'll see you, today is Tuesday, I'll see you Thursday. And thank you so much for being part of my practice. May everything that we do, say and think be done not only for our own benefit, but also may we be aware that it's going out to the entire universe, and may it be for the benefit of all other beings. Thank you.